Well, good morning to you. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought that would be the verse that we needed to start out with this morning. Amen? Grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, not from the world, not from any political figure, not from any election outcome, not from any Dow Jones reporting, grace and peace from God the Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our source of peace. He is our source of strength. He is our source of redemption. I think it's interesting that in every one of the books, each and every one of the epistles of the Apostle Paul, whether it be in Rome, and they were having some problems too there, I don't know if you heard about it, but there were problems and issues in Rome. And what did Paul say in his letter there? Grace and peace. The church in Corinth, it was a mess. What did Paul say when he was writing to that church? Twice. Grace and peace. Whether it be the church in Galatia, in Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, both letters to the church in Thessalonica, when he was writing to Timothy, when he was writing to Titus, when he was writing to Philemon, grace and peace to you from God the Father from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our source of peace. Regardless of the direction that the world goes, God is our peace. He's our source of redemption. Aren't you glad this morning that your peace is not dependent upon the direction that the world goes? Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you remember, how many of you remember conjunction, junction, what's your function? How many of you remember that? You're already starting to sing a little song in your head. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? You remember that? Well, that song was on Schoolhouse Rock, and it went from 1973 to 1996. 1973 to 1996. And the song was all about conjunctions and the purpose of conjunctions. The most often used conjunctions are but, and, or. Of course, there's a whole bunch of others. As, that, if, then, because, uh, because, while, when. I had to look at them because it's been a long time since I was in English class. But conjunction, junction, watch your function. And the song would go on connecting words and phrases. And I would go ahead and, and sing it for you or play it, but then you would have it stuck in your head all week like I've had it stuck in mine. And you can't get rid of it. Well, this week there's been one conjunctional phrase that has helped sustain me. 
despite the anxiety that I have felt, despite the concern that I have, this conjunctional phrase has brought peace and continues to today. That conjunctional phrase, but God, but God. To tell you how horribly disappointed I am in this election would be an understatement, folks. My concern for our country is off the charts, and I don't apologize for feeling that way. But it's not just because of the results of the election. Let me, let me tell you that. It's how those results came about. And I think the years of damage that has been done due to fraud and the level of cheating, uh, it's going to take years, if ever, this nation gets over that. And when I reflect on all of that, the only thought that has sustained me is, but God. But God is still on His throne. But God still rules and reigns. But God will still have His way. But God still loves me. And, that's another conjunction, and the tomb is empty. And He's coming again. Amen? So conjunction... Conjunction, junction, watch your function. It is to connect words and phrases. And I just happen to love those. So they got me to thinking this week of all of the biblical accounts, all the biblical events and stories from Genesis to Revelation. And we're not, not going to cover all of them this morning. A bunch of them but not all of them. We're going to cover a lot of the but gods throughout the Scripture. But God. Because there have been dire times, there have been dire circumstances, there has been much fear and trepidation all down through history. But God. He rules. He reigns. From Adam and Eve, who were naked. They were naked, remember? They sinned and, and they were ashamed because they were naked and they thought, oh, we've got to do something about this. So they tied fig leaves together. Fig leaves aren't really that big. Plus they turn brown and they fall apart. That was just not suitable. To cover their nakedness. But God. But God. He is the one who supplied the skin. The covering. To hide their nakedness. To hide, to hide that sin. Matter of fact that was the first sacrifice. You realize it took the death of that animal. In order to cover their sin. But God, 
So from Genesis to the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 9, look at, look at Revelation. Satan is loose out of the bottomless pit after he's been chained there for a thousand years. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle the number of whom is the sand of the sea. That's a pretty big army. Verse 9, And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. That could be pretty horrifying, couldn't it? We have no... (laughs) That's pretty scary. But look what happens. But God. But God. Did they need to fear those saints, the beloved city, Jerusalem, at the end of the thousand years? And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Pretty scary time. But God. So from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between, circumstances, I'm telling you, have been much more dire, much more deadly, although I do think this is going to get pretty serious, folks. But frankly, I believe it's our time to be heroes of the faith. I believe it's our time to be those who take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and show the world that we're Christians, that our hope and our faith and our trust is in the living God. See, it's time for the church today to be what Paul told the church in Corinth to be. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul tells the church there to stand, to watch, to stand fast in the faith, to quit you like men, be strong. And that's the words for the church today to be watchful, to stand fast in the faith, to be brave, to be strong, to be courageous. That's what God is calling the church to do today. We can go back to Genesis chapter 6. Matter of fact, let's do that. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, we have the story of Noah. And you think it's bad today, at this time when the sons of God went into the daughters of men, and I firmly believe that those sons of God were the fallen angels, and those sons of God caused the the daughters of men to become pregnant, and the offspring were demonic, and you think it's bad today, we read here it says that every thought was evil continually. There was never a good thought. God's Word tells us that only Noah was perfect in his generation, in his family. The word perfect there has to do with his genealogy. They had not 
been corrupted by that demonic seed. Genesis chapter 6, verse 7. We'll start with verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Then we have a conjunction. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 7, we know the story how the flood came. God instructed Noah to, to build the ark. And you talking about being fearful... Not only was Noah having to put up with all the crowds and all the stuff that was going on around him, I mean, when every thought is evil continually, uh, you've got some bad folks around you. And for 120 years, he worked on building the ark according to the specifications that God gave him. And then God told him, here's what I'm going to do, Noah. I'm going to send rain. There's only one glitch. Noah had never seen rain. According to the scriptures, the earth was watered from the ground, from the, the, the dew that came up. There had never rained before. Noah wants you to build a boat, and I'm going to cause it to rain. You're going to do what? You're gonna, what's rain? And not just, because I like rain showers. You like rain showers? I like for it to rain. Listen to the the rain hit the tin roof, and man, that's just, that's just so pleasant. But this is not what we're talking about here. It's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and the flood itself is going to last over a year. That could be pretty frightening. But Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, and what an important conjunction. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house unto the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Before this catastrophic event takes place, the Lord is going to say, Noah, come get in the ship. Come get in the boat. Come get in the ark. And i got to tell you, Noah was going to be safe and sound and protected and blessed being where God wanted him to be inside that ark. A point I want to make to you is that regardless of what was going on on the outside, regardless of the storm and that was raging and the wind that was howling and the deep being broken up and the firmament being broken up and the flood waters rising, it had to be frightening to be tossed around as the waters came up. They may have even been a little fearful. Scripture doesn't talk about it. 
I know I would have been. It's just human nature to go. I mean, when your boat starts rocking like that, and, and it, it would be pretty frightening. But folks, I'm telling you, they were as safe being where God wanted them as you can ever imagine. Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. After the water started subsiding, and God, there's another conjunction, and God remembered Noah. The concept there with the word remembered indicates God acting on Noah's behalf. There were frightening times. There were scary times. There, there was a world that was corrupt. There was a world that was beside itself with evilness. I tell you how bad it was. God's Word tells us that God was sorry that He made man. Folks, that's seriously evil. God says, I wish I hadn't have done it. But God came through because He always does. Amen? He always does. And we could get into Abraham's life and there are so many buts and ands and ors. There are so many conjunctions as you do, you research Abraham's life and how God blessed Abraham and what Abraham living by faith and all that came from his life and showing God faithful from beginning to end even though Abraham didn't always. But the one I want to look at is Joseph. Wow. You talk about but God. His life is full of God working and dealing and showing himself, God showing himself faithful regardless of the circumstances. And if there's ever been anyone on the face of the earth that had a reason to say, God, what are you doing putting me in this pit? Lord, what are you doing putting me in this woman's house? What are you doing putting me in this prison? But in every one of those, we find and Joseph. But it pleased God in every one of them. In Potiphar's house, Genesis 39.2 tells us, And the Lord was with Joseph. God always shows up, folks. He always shows up. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was at the house of his master, the Egyptian. That's Potiphar's house. But then he ends up in prison. What happens in prison? Look at a few verses down, Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. 
regardless of the circumstances, the Lord was there with Joseph. The Lord was blessing his life. See, it wasn't the circumstances. It was Joseph's faithfulness in God's dealings. I got to tell you, you talk about despair. Imagine this. You're your father's favorite. Your daddy likes you best. He likes you so well, he's given you a beautiful coat, and that coat is outstanding. And you know what that coat signifies? That coat signifies that your father, that you're special, that you're your father's special, uh, favorite. And he has this coat, and everything's going for him. He, he's on top of the world, and the next thing you know, he is in a pit. And he's not just in a pit. He was put there by family members. His brothers threw him into the pit. And you're down in the pit and you hear him talking about, we've got to kill him. We're going to kill him. And one of the brothers says, no, 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 we can't do that. So they come up with a scheme of selling him into slavery. I don't know about you, I think I'd rather be dead. I think if I'd have been Joseph, I'd have said, can we go back talking about killing me? I don't want to go into slavery. But he was sold into slavery, and from the slavery, from the pit into Potiphar's house, and we know the story how Potiphar's wife had designs on him, and she falsely accused him, and he ends up in prison. But that's what that verse But the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him mercy. And when you know the story of Joseph's life, and you know what he concludes with? I mean, when you talk about the pit, and you talk about Potiphar's house, and you talk about prison, and then he goes from there to Pharaoh's court, and you know how God had a purpose in putting him in Pharaoh's court, And how God was going to use that position to save Israel, to save the other brothers. Hey, God knows exactly what he's doing. He is in charge. He's going to bring about his purpose. And I think what Joseph says at the end is applicable for today. I think it is wonderful Joseph is talking to his brothers. His brothers are there. His father, they're all there. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Folks, you can take this scripture to the bank. Genesis 50, verse 20. But as for you, Joseph says to his brothers, you meant it for evil... But God meant it for good. And I'm telling you, folks, you can take that truth to the bank. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Joseph took all that was going on, and he saw where God had placed him and allowed him to be in order for him to be glorified and God to be exalted to bring about his purpose.
Folks, you can trust God. He knows the beginning from the end. I don't, but I don't have to. He does. And I praise Him for that. We go from Joseph to Moses. And this week as I was working on this, you know, I, and the way my mind works, I couldn't help but wonder if all of these heroes of the faith, these Bible uh, heroes, you know, are, do they ever get a chance to sit down and, and, and drink coffee in heaven and sit around a table and say, well, hey, let me, let me tell you about, about my story. Let me, let me tell you, in that pit, whew, but here's what God did. And Abraham said, well, yeah, but when God told me to offer up my only son, who? And he started sharing stories. I imagine Moses standing up and saying, wait, 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 wait. Let me tell you, but for God, what would have happened? Go to Exodus 14. God, Moses has some incredible stories to relate. Look at Exodus chapter 14. You know, we, we know what God did with Joseph in, in Egypt and how he told Joseph a great nation is going to come out of Egypt. And they came out as slaves. They came out. They were treated harshly after Joseph died. And the new Pharaoh didn't remember Joseph. It was about 400 years duration. And then Israel, they were crying out to God. They, their, their treatment was so horrible. And God raises Moses up to lead these children, this nation, out of Egypt. And so Moses obeys God, and he does exactly what God tells him to do. And in Exodus chapter 14, verse 4, God tells Moses exactly what he's about to do. It says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all of his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So stop and think about that for a second. God has said, I want you to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. I'm going to take you to a land that's flow, flowing with milk and honey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to establish you as a, na- a, a nation. Here's the plan, Moses. Now, I want you to do this. And so Moses obeys God, but there's just one issue, one trouble, one trial after another. Moses obeys God, and God says, here's here's what I I want you to do, but I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and he's going to follow after you. If I were Moses, I'd say, Father, give me a break. Why are you going to do that? Can't we just have a little bit of peace? Can you just not do that? That would be horrifying. To have Pharaoh coming after you and God leads you out of Egypt and he puts you in between. Here was the, the Red Sea out in front of you. How in the world are you going to get past this Red Sea? And you turn 
You turn around and you look in the back, and there's Pharaoh's army. And they, Pharaoh's already said, I'm not going to stand for this. He was intent on killing them, destroying them. So Moses sees Pharaoh coming. He sees the Red Sea in front of him. What in the world is a man to do? Trust God. I'm sure Moses wasn't able to explain, Lord, what, what do you intend to do with Pharaoh? I mean, he's right there. And he is upset. But God is in charge. God knows what's about to take place. And not only was Pharaoh upset, not only, not only did he have Pharaoh coming and the Red Sea in front of him, Pharaoh behind him, the Red Sea in front of him, the people that he just let out were griping and complaining and saying, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness and just, just being a bunch of crybabies? So you had Pharaoh upset. You had the people upset. As a matter of fact, look at verse 11, chapter 14. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore thou hast dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Gripey, gripey. I'm sure you could look at the circumstances and say, they had no chance. But God. And, it, and we know the story how God opens up the, the Red Sea. There was only one way to be saved, and it was straight and narrow. Only one way to be saved. By faith, they had to step down into that sea and walk across and trust God to keep the waters back. And basically God told them, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. This was God's doing. There was no way for them to save themselves. They couldn't, they couldn't rescue themselves. They couldn't redeem themselves from the enemy and what was coming. But God can. And God did. And no sooner did they get across that they had no water. But God. What? Then they had no food. But God. All the way through history, God has shown Himself to be faithful. From David to Daniel. I mean, talk, think about David. Think about David. You talk about a frightening situation. Here's a 17-year-old kid, a shepherd boy, that was willing to stand and face a giant of a man. And not just a giant of a man, a nine foot tall, but Goliath was part of that demonic offspring back at the flood. Remember the Bible says in Genesis 6 there were giants in the days in those days and also after that there was a second disruption. See Satan had to do something to stop the seed of the woman. That's, that's a whole other sermon but it's, it's an important one. But you talk about David and bravery 
And he couldn't even wear the armor that Saul was willing to loan him to go and fight. He couldn't battle with that. It wasn't tried. It wasn't, he wasn't an expert. Here was Goliath, a warrior from birth, ready to do much damage. As a matter of fact, in 1 Samuel 17, 44, what does Goliath tell David? He says, I'm going to give your flesh to the birds. And the, Philippines said, and the Philistines said to David, come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Folks, those aren't fighting words. Those are running words. If you ask me. But you know what David did? David stands up to Goliath. Look at verse 45. Verse 45. And David said to the Philistine, Boy, I love this. Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, I think David understood, but God, but God. As a matter of fact, in verse uh, uh, 48 of, of that chapter, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, he dropped his slingshot and he ran away. Is that what it says? And David hastened. He ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He didn't even stand his ground. He ran toward Goliath. Let's get this ball game started. Let's get this taken care of. Basically, he had listened to that boasting, all he was going to listen to it, and he was ready to show whose side the true and living God is on. But God. But God. Daniel? You want to talk about Daniel? Daniel's in a lion's den. Those lions were hungry. Why was Daniel thrown in the lion's den? <laughs> because he refused to bow to Nebuchadnezzar. He refused to stop praying when it was against the law to pray. He refused to stop praying. Daniel was in the lion's den, but who else was there? But God. But God. And I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. As a matter of fact, look at Daniel. Chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. I, 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 this would be interesting to see. Daniel chapter 3. Look at verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished... And he rose up in haste, and he spoke and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto him, 
unto the king, True, O king, we threw three. And Nebuchadnezzar looks and he says, Lo, I see four men loose, and they're walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. But God. All through history, whether it be with Elijah and the prophets of Baal, Jehoshaphat, when the enemy is arrayed against him, or King Josiah, when the enemy is arrayed against him, to whom do they look? They look to God. And for all their troubles, for all their fears, for all their anxiety, for all their not understanding what's going on, the one thing that's clear from all of these stories that we can learn as they are an example to us in 2020 is God is on His throne. That God rules and reigns in the heart of man. You go into the New Testament real quick with Peter. And Peter... witnesses the crucifixion but right before the crucifixion what does Peter do? And Christ has already told Peter, Peter you're going to have the keys you, know, you, you, you have the keys to the kingdom and there was there were things going to happen Peter denies the Lord three times or Peter denies the Lord before uh, three times before the rooster crowed? You're with that Messiah. Oh, no, not me. No, I'm not with him. Weren't you with? No, no, no. He was the one that says, I'll never leave you. I'm going to be right here with you. Or he pretty braggadocious when it came to his position and what he was going, I love you too much. I'm not going to do that. But when the time came, Peter denied knowing Christ. That would be heartbreaking, wouldn't it? One of my favorite scriptures, one of my favorite stories of that whole situation is Mark 16, 7. Folks, I'm telling you, that scripture is so significant in understanding the mind and heart and purpose of God. Mark 16, 7. The Lord was saying, but go your way. The Lord tell His disciples, and the one who's denied me, the one who is sorrowful, the one who I'm sure is hurting because of what He did, but go your way, tell His disciples, and Peter, and Peter, and he goes before you into Galilee, and there shall you see him, as he said unto you. We fail God miserably. We make mistakes. We do things that we know we shouldn't do. But God forgives, and he loves, and he saves 
And we can trust him because he sits on his throne that he rules and he reigns. One last one. We got Paul. Paul was the chief of sinners. He was a horrible man. Actually, he was probably the worst kind. He, he was, had such religious fervor, he was destroying those who were believing that Christ was the Messiah. He was the one that was, was hauling those who believed to their death. He was on his way to Damascus to bring a group back down to Jerusalem to stand trial. And he thought he was doing God a favor. And he was going to drag those people back down. But God does something amazing. And that's why Paul can say in Romans 5, 8, But God, but God commendeth his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sin. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sin. The world situation is pretty frightening. But I can tell you this, God reigns, God's in charge, and possibly the most frightening thing of all is hell is real, hell is real, and we probably deserve to be sent there because of our sin. But God. Look at Romans 6, verse 23. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But aren't you glad for conjunctions? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The world couldn't ever get frightening enough, scary enough to even compare to the horrors of hell. To compare to where those who've rejected Christ are going to spend eternity. And the message that God has called on us to share is they don't have to go there. No one has to go there. For the wages of sin is death, but, but, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, folks, I have no idea what the future holds. But I know who does. I know who does. And I am safely abiding in the one who knows the beginning from the end because that's who he is he is the alpha and omega amen
And just to assure you of that, Tim, play that song. Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning of the end. As a matter of fact, you're going to want to stand for this. You're not going to be able to stay seated for this song. I know I can't sit down. He is the Alpha and Omega.
That is why I don't fear tomorrow. God is on his throne. He is Lord. And if you don't know him this morning, his offer to you is is salvation, eternal life. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you that you are Lord of Lords. You are King of Kings. Father, you are everything. Our hope, our faith, our trust is in you. Father, we come admitting that our hope is not in governments, politicians. Father, our hope and trust is in you. So, Father, we pray that each and every one of us will have that desire to take a stand for for godly principles for you, Father. Stand on your word, proclaiming the truth of the gospel that Jesus saves. May we be faithful to present that to a world that may not understand it, but they are desperate in need, desperately in need of it. We pray these things in the precious name that's above all other names. We pray these things in the name of the one that every knee is going to bow to, every tongue is going to confess to. In the name of Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all. Amen.